Okay, guys, this is a sort of an in-between episode between sessions 22 and 23 to get you caught up on a few things that are going on with our mass campaign. Now, normally, everything that we do is caught on video or is caught on our recordings and stuff like that. But what you may not know is that we do quite a bit of stuff on the forums in between. And a lot of times it's just role play. It's a little bit of stuff, a little character building stuff. But sometimes there's major plot boards. Usually there aren't. But after session 22, quite a few things have happened that are sort of important things that are going to be really confusing if you're watching along or listening along with the show and you don't know what happened. So just to catch up real quick, uh, when we last left our heroes, we were in Halcyon City. We had uh, beat down the Viratovians. We had uh, sort of the news about Viratovia. The veil had dropped and that had gone out. And we spent an episode with people just kind of the world kind of processing that. Concord had had his moment of truth and... When he was in Concord Foreign, he was getting bigger, and that was happening. Um, Numa and Leo, or Neo, after fighting together and fighting the good fight and everything, they were they were a thing. And that stuff had all kind of happened. And also, Jason had been working with Numina, not Numa, but Numina, to work on an actual physical shell for her based off of hard light. So that was stuff that was happening during session 22. Uh, again, we do a lot of stuff on the forums in between. Um, and one of the things that we did that I'm going to kind of focus on today is uh, starting with this uh, 22.1, the scene or series where Jason goes down to Florida to finally, finally, after 22 sessions, talk to his brother who was there on site when his dad and Rusty and everybody were sucked into the other uh, universe and Viratovia showed up and all this other kind of stuff and decides he's going to go over talk to Amir. So that's the first scene that we talked to. Now, all of these things are great. You should totally read the the scenes if you're so inclined. I'll provide links down in the notes for this so you can go over to this scene with Jason and there's another scene with uh, that we'll get to in a little bit with uh, Numa and Hecate. And then there's a third scene uh, that Bill wrote up for Numa where she visits City Hall. Um, so anyway, uh, Jason uh, gathers up his stuff and Newman decides to go with a sort of an alpha test for this hard light shell that she's got. They hop in the vertical takeoff and landing sort of quill jet thing and they head down to uh, head down to Florida uh, to kind of, you know, catch up with Amir and so forth. They didn't send any message ahead or anything like that. So Jason isn't entirely sure what kind of reception he's going to get. But he gets down to Palm Key. And uh, when he's about five minutes out, he gets greeted on the radio by Amir, who says something like, I think, I'm glad I'm, I see I'm not the only one. And uh, signals for him to, Jason, to hurry up and come on in and land. So the Palm Key is like the place where um, Fire and Quill and Rusty and the, and the boys stayed a lot of times when when uh jason was a kid and he hasn't been back in like two years because amir basically when he got after everything that happened in dc he was injured badly and he basically said some things to jason that the two brothers are estranged they don't talk to each other and sort of amir got palm key in the divorce so anyway the plane lands jason can see amir waiting by the front door with a corgi uh who's you know yipping and yapping and stuff like that and amir is God, God, that is a really close. That is a really close close-up. Anyway, Amir is waiting there. He's got a cane, so he's still kind of messed up. Um, the brigand that's there is not, or sorry, the corgi that's there is not brigand. It's a younger dog um, that Amir introduces as Buccaneer. Um, although he does explain that brigand is still around. Uh, he didn't die of old age while Jason was away or anything like that. Although he's, you know, it's a pretty old dog. And he invites uh, Jason in 
uh, to talk some more. So Jason goes in, he greets Brigand, um, and then they sit down to talk kind of about what happened. And when Jason asks, you know, like, I'm not the only one, what? What Amir tells him is that when the Vortovian veil dropped the previous week, suddenly a lot of stuff that he'd been dealing with unconsciously sort of fell away too, where he had a lot of aversion to talking to Jason. He didn't want to uh, investigate what had happened to his uh, their father and Rusty, um, all that kind of stuff. And Amir felt like... Uh, Suddenly, all these compulsions that he'd had not to talk to Jason had just sort of fallen away. And conveniently, before he could figure out how to open up that conversation with Jason, Jason just showed up on his front door. So that was great. Um, Jason, he wants to believe it. He doesn't quite believe it. So he just says to Amir, um, tell me what the hell happened in D.C. Um, when when you were there, you know, dad was there. He was working with uh, Achilles Chin and somehow, that you know, People were shooting at them, and then Vier- they disappeared, and Viertovia just sort of what's the connection between Dad and Chin and the Viertovian showing up and the sepiaverse and all this kind of stuff. And Amir kind of uh, gives him the lowdown, really. He, like, he nods like he's expecting this. So he explains that uh, their dad uh, had been contacted by Achilles Chin, who had sort of accidentally stumbled upon evidence that this sort of secretive group known as the uh, hidden family of, of the Bjortovian throne, a, a group that um, uh, a ghost girl and sort of Jason have, have run into or heard of in the past, uh, were secretly working on something that Chin had sort of stumbled across. Uh, apparently they'd been come into the world a couple hundred years previous, and they, they had some sort of crazy plan to collapse their world reality which is apparently doomed in some way with our reality, the the Halcyon City reality, and thus sort of save their world by collapsing the two p- probabilities together or something like that, which is crazy, except they sort of figured out how they were going to do it. So Shin had stumbled across where they had snuck down into some caves beneath Iceland um, and planted what they referred to as a world seed and what uh, Dr. Quill referred to as a genome something that's come up in the game previously. And they had been sort of planning this as some sort of way of pinning these two realities together and folding them into each other. Uh, There was just too much information there for Byron Quill to dismiss it. So he agrees to work with Chen to try to stop these guys and all that kind of stuff and prevent the, you know, sort of sepia verse from merging with the real world. And that's where Mir was brought into it. Um, this was not long after they'd left Jason back in Halcyon city. So while Chin and Quill and Rusty were trying to get their capture, their own genome by virtue of figuring out where the Viratovians had, or the hidden family had one stashed and then basically killing everybody there and taking it, which was at Washington DC. Meanwhile, Amir snuck over to the Sepiaverse and was supposed to sort of set an arc circuit in the same location on the in the opposite world so that the energy, they were going to disperse the energy so that the fold, the sort of tesseract couldn't happen um, between the two worlds because they were diffused too much energy to be able to support that collapse, to that, that, that sort of exchange. So he went over there, did that. He was told to get out of there at that point in time once he had done that, but he figured if Dad and Rusty are safe on the other side, right here. I'll be safe on this side, or at least as safe as they were. He was as safe as they were, because when the exchange happened, they were swapped into that world, and he was swapped in this world, and the energy was pretty damaging, and that's how he got hurt. Um, so that's the story about all of that. And the Viratovian Veil, Jason sort of lets him know that he knows that the Viratovian Veil was done by the League and by Hecate, 
uh, which makes sense to Amir. And actually, while they're talking about that and figuring out that, it's Amir's assessment of things that, although Dad and Rusty are probably, you know, we should reach out to them, Hecate may be the big thing that Jason should focus on. And he tells him that one of the people, somebody that he should talk to to kind of provide insight into Hecate is this um, Valerie Randall, who's a PhD in theoretical physics at Harvard. Uh, he snags a book off the shelf that was apparently a copy of their dad's book, one of the books that she'd written in the past, and told Jason that she could explain a lot. Now, he was being really circumspect about this. He was being kind of vague about it. Um, and you look at the book, and Jason reads it later. You look at the book, and it's really like, well, that would explain. She looks like she could explain a lot more about Viratovia and the sepiaverse and the different dimensions, not so much about Hecate. I don't understand that part. So that was all kind of an interesting thing, but something for Jason to kind of file away. Um, during this conversation, uh, Jason, not Jason, I'm sorry, but Numina, who was there, makes a sort of reference as Jason is rattling off all of the problems and enemies, potential enemies that the team has. She does a little smile and says, too many secrets, Marty, as a reference to uh, Sneakers, which is a movie that Jason's a big fan of, even though it predates him by about a decade. And had he and Numina had watched it not long before they left as, you know, sort of a bonding thing. And... <laughs> Amir completely misses the reference, just absolutely misses the reference. He sort of jokes about it a little bit. So Jason can't decide, is he is he doing it on purpose to be purposely dense? Is he missing the reference as some sort of way of telling him that there's people watching? He thinks maybe there's maybe somebody watching. Uh, meanwhile, while he's having these thoughts, uh, his brain kind of goes into overdrive. And when it goes into overdrive, the nanites sort of handled the buffer overthrow by manifesting some of his thoughts that are going into the buffer as little Alicia. Well, little Alicia had been helping him out, sort of, uh, with other things that she was making notes on in this sort of virtual blackboard that only he could see. And she starts scribbling on the blackboard again at this point and says, uh, or he's never seen the movie because this isn't Amir. And Amir, this Amir, uh, never thought that Alicia was alive and was kind of startled that Alicia is still alive and assumed that Jason had killed Alicia. And Alicia was the only one of the three of them who was still actively pursuing trying to get their parents back after the accident. And so she wasn't affected by this aversion thing. Don't don't investigate your dads. And so she wasn't affected by it. And she was also the only one that Amir thought was dead. So maybe Amir's responsible. You need to get out of here and figure this out. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Okay, well, so Jason takes that under advisement, sort of makes his excuses. And Amir seems pretty happy to let him go. He actually seems almost very subtly as scared about Jason's visit as Jason is about what Amir might be doing. So he they pile back into the plane. And at that point in time, Amir actually, Jason's sort of acting like he's going to miss Brigand. And Amir offers to let him take Brigand with him, which is also kind of a little bit odd because Amir and Brigand were always a little bit closer. And... He hasn't really been near Brigand. He'll 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 pet Buccaneer and stuff, but he doesn't go. Amir doesn't go anywhere near Brigand really, which is a little weird. So anyway, they pile back into the plane. They take off. Nobody shoots Sam missiles at them, which is nice. Uh, and they're flying off. And they they uh, they get back into the plane. And, and Anumina and Jason talk over the flight, trying to parse the strings, trying to decide, you know, is Amir actually evil? What the deal is with this book and this this Valerie Randall? And uh, also parenthetically kind of Numina's personhood and her 
status and how her shell is working and what this all means and all this other kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of naval good. And uh, ultimately, Jason decides that the next thing that he needs to do is figure out what happened to Ghost Girl, because Ghost Girl, during the last episode, said uh, something weird is going on. I'm going to go check things out in the CPUverse. And she sort of disappeared without checking with anybody. And she's been gone long enough now that Jason's starting to get worried. So that's kind of where they're headed is back to the city to kind of sort that out. Even though they've got some other leads, um, they figure everything else can sort of wait. Uh, meanwhile, Numa is back in the city, and she does something that really nobody else in the group could probably get away with, which is she arranges to have a meeting with Hecate. Uh, she talks to Harry Gale's mom, Tempest, who's part of the League, and gets Tempest to get Hecate to show up. Um, reason because Hecate is sort of a super feminist and kind of a turf and really doesn't like, probably won't like most of the people on the team. Uh, it really is going to fall to somebody like Tempest to give her, have the moral authority to get Hecate to show up. So when she does, uh, they meet at the Gale estate and Hecate shows up and Numa is really straightforward and says, hey, you know, you screwed with everybody's minds. We think you specifically screwed with Jason's mind. He's my teammate. I want to know what's going on here. Tell me what you did or why you did what you did if you did something um, so I can understand what's going on here because I need to rely on my teammate and to protect my teammate. So so what's going on? And Hecate does not re receive this particularly well, but she does calm down enough to sort of kind of answer a question, although it does go on a bit of a circuitous rant. And it starts out by yelling about Byron Quill because Byron is, they never got along. Byron didn't like her. He, she did, she certainly didn't like him. And apparently it goes back quite a while because they knew each other through mutual social circles and stuff like that. In fact, one of their mutual uh, friends was Valerie Randall, who comes up during this rant because apparently Valerie and Hecate were a couple uh, back in the late 90s, uh, right up to like the year 2000. So, and it turns out that Valerie is uh, Jason's biological mother. Uh, Valerie had no interest in children, uh, but for some reason she was willing to, Byron was interested in children, but he and Rusty weren't going to have any kids. So uh, Valerie agreed to uh, be the surrogate mother for Jason and carry, and then basically stepped out of the life. This was not something that the kids knew, uh, obviously. Otherwise, Jason probably would have recognized that book, but uh, it does kind of explain and also seems to imply that Amir has either known about it or figured it out at some point in time, whether it's this Amir or the CPUverse Amir, or what version of Amir that was, he knows that and is kind of pointed Jason that way, which would, I mean, now that we know this part, would explain why she would be sort of an expert on what's motivating Hecate. Still also useful, dimensionally speaking, uh, about the dimensional science of things. Anyway, so that's going on. That was part of it, although that was just sort of like background thing about why she was so mad. Um, but then she gets into about the actual, like, why did she do it? Now, it turns out that uh, she says, it was not my idea to do the veil. It was the League's idea to do the veil. Basically, the men's idea to do the veil because they were so scared that people are going to think they didn't know how to handle this kind of stuff. And they're, you know, she went on a bit of a rant about people's toxic masculinity, posturing, and that sort of thing. But the fact that she had to do it, she also knew that Jason would try to find his dad and that would poke holes in the veil and bring the whole thing down. So if she was going to do it, she was going to make sure also that Jason wouldn't pursue things and ruin things that way. And she's fine with that. She doesn't have anything particular, she says, any particular ill will against Jason, sure. Uh, her ire is entirely focused on uh, Byron Quill, who she basically paints as history's greatest monster. You couldn't possibly know Byron Quill the way I know Byron Quill, whatever that means. Um, 
but if this result of keeping the veil up and keeping Jason from, from uh, going after his dad means that this world is without a Byron Quill, she considers that to be her gift to the world because he's horrible and she hates him and so on and so forth. So that was kind of that big reveal there. And then the other part of the conversation was Numa asking Hecate about her views on womanhood because she's on a quest to find herself and she, clearly Hecate has some very clear uh, pictures about what womanhood is. Um, some of them are pretty toxic. She's super angry. Um, and during that conversation, it comes out like sort of what Numa's background is and how her brain is originally an imprint of Leo's and so forth. Um, so that conversation goes about as well as you would expect. Uh, although at the end, according to at least Tempest, Hecate is intrigued by this whole conversation uh, that Numa has. Again, you guys should read this scene because it's good. Um, she's intrigued by the, by the points that Numa raises, and although they don't talk more then, there's some indication that Hecate will be willing to talk to them, talk to her about it later. So that happens. Uh, and the only other scene, so later, she she's a little bit in shock after all this, between the reveal about Jason and uh, so the just sheer anger from Hecate and stuff like that, just in general towards the world. Um, she's a little bit shook. She spends a day sort of recovering with Leo. And then uh, the third write-up, that we saw, which is another big plot point, is that Numa goes to the court, goes through the, uh, you know, sort of the state court or the city courthouse and, you know, government offices and that sort of thing, and begins the paperwork to have herself certified as an official person. Um, technically, you know, and a couple of people times it's repeated in there, you have human rights, but you need to, uh, and you have them because you assert that you have them, but we can give you the paperwork to make sure that this thing has some sort of legal weight, which would have prevented some of the stuff in the airport and stuff like that. So we get a little bit of history about why uh, Aegis didn't do this for them earlier. Ted Waters had some pretty good reasons for that. Um, legitimate reasons, not they have downsides, but he had his reasons and they're not terrible reasons. Um, and so that process, uh, since Numa, who's apparently now area, uh, did this. She also did the paperwork so that Otto and Numina can do this too. So we get to meet a telepath who sort of verifies the inherent sort of, I guess, personness of somebody or takes their read on them and that sort of thing. She does that. Uh, wonderful character uh, that Bill came up with, um, loosely based on the Oracle from The Matrix, or at least that actress. Uh, as a telepath and so she's gonna she meets with Numa and then later she's gonna meet with Otto which will be great um so it's just a great great stuff there so what do we got we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on in the game that didn't really happen in the game it had well it happened with the forums and stuff like that so Jason uh at least theoretically can find out who his mom is his mom is on the table um uh, Amir who is terrified that Jason came showed up Jason sort of realizes in hindsight may or may not be the real Amir certainly has had some trauma. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Ghost girl. Uh, he's going to go after ghost girl. Uh, Numina got Hecate to admit that she did specifically screw with Jason to keep him from uh, going after his dad because of to defend the veil. And also because she doesn't want Byron back in this world um, because he's apparently, according to her, you know, sort of history's greatest monster. And also Numa is getting the paperwork done. So that all of Leo's family officially become people, like legally speaking, although they're already people. And that's sort of the 22.5 episode uh, before the game starts up tomorrow. So just want to get you guys caught up. A little bonus episode here. And um, that's about it. I'll talk to you later. Bye.